Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber. So welcome to today's podcast. I am so excited to have my Christian brother. I hear him singing all the, all the time up and down the halls here at our office complex. He is just so fun. Ron First from Christian Insurance Services. Welcome to the podcast, Ron. Oh, thanks so much, Bob, for having me here. This has been, uh, I just love teaching. I'm a retired educator. I was a teacher and a principal for 30 years, and I that's like one of the gifts that I have. I, just, I know it's my gift, that and evangelism. So I just love to share and teach. Well, I love your singing, Ron. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Bob. <laughs> now, you heard me sing one time, and you're like, yeah, okay, bro, right. I know why you didn't go into that profession. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Ron is with Christian Insurance Services. He's the, the president and founder of Christian Insurance Services. And Ron, how many years ago has it been now that you started Christian Insurance Services? Wow, we started under the auspices of CFAA, and then after that, I guess now solo as an entity on its own, we're going on the 11th year. 11 year, man, where's Un- time go? Unbelievable. Life. Solomon says that life is a vapor. Yeah. Literally, it's, it, it's gone. Comes, it, it comes go, and goes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. A lot of our folks that listen may not, you know, they never heard of CFAA, and that was what we refer to as the Christian Financial Association of America, and that was, we were attempting to start a USAA type of- A movement. Movement yeah. for Christians, but- you know, the Lord has something else in mind, right? Absolutely. Everything works out. So today we're going to talk about insurance, do's and don'ts. You know, Ron, I, I got to admit, all these commercials that I see on TV that these insurance companies do, these guys, are they're very innovative. And I remember the caveman commercial. <laughs> it's so easy a caveman could do it. I, just, I still remember that, you know, from Geico. Yeah. And you've got all these different insurance companies. And what's so funny is so many of them don't really have to do with insurance. A lot of them just, they get you in on some kind of crazy scene. But then they say, give us a call. 15 minutes, we'll save you 15%. And it seems like to me that insurance is so much sold on price versus coverage and you've talked to me a lot about this, that we need to be very, very careful about purchasing any insurance in isolation. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and so what do you mean by that, by purchasing insurance in isolation? I don't think that means that you should be all alone when you purchase your insurance and your house does it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isolation. A- absolutely. I, but, yeah, yeah. But what does that mean? One of my favorite scriptures is Luke fourteen twenty eight. Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. When you purchase insurance, you have to see what is the end goal? What are you trying to do? What is the why of why you're buying insurance? What do you want to accomplish? And for most of us, our goals financially is to possibly retire. And to get to that 30, 40 years, you have to build your nest egg. So anything you buy insurance-wise is going to impact your ability to develop that nest egg, to build that I have never thought of it that way. You know, I, I think most people just think of buying insurance as, well, this is something I've got to do. To drive a car, I've got to have insurance. That's the law. 
and yeah. just, you know, get me whatever coverage will obey the law, <laughs> you know, be within the confines of that, you know, have the amount of liability coverage that I need to satisfy that and just give it to me for as cheap as I can. But you just mentioned that it could affect your retirement and oh, affect, affect long term. That's interesting. What do you mean by that? Well, look, you mentioned automobile insurance. Okay, okay. When you buy automobile insurance, and by the way, those commercials are a hoot. Yeah, they're... I laugh at them. They're so funny. And they're designed to get your attention to say that this company X exists. This this lizard represents certain company. Yeah. But the reality is they don't teach much. They're just to get you in there to buy a product. And insurance has become commoditized. Huh. You know, when you go to Walmart or HEB or your favorite grocery store to to buy something, you're buying beans and rice. They serve a purpose, but they're not impacting your your long-term goals to build that nest egg. Right. So you purchase insurance as an integral part of a big financial plan then? Is that what you're saying? It should play all into, I mean, even your auto insurance, your, your home insurance, life insurance, all that should be part of a financial plan? Absolutely. Let me share a little detail. Okay. So your automobile policy has basically four parts. The first part is liability. Mm-hmm. That protects the third person or the person you injure when you're negligent. The state requires you to have 30000 60000 meaning it'll pay 30000 for each individual you, you hurt and 60000 for the total accident or aggregate. So if you're buying on price... Mm-hmm. And you get the cheapest insurance and you have X amount of assets that you've already saved in your IRA or fourth or wherever, your savings account, right? Right. You hurt someone beyond 30000 and they have doctor bills that are going to last for years, therapy, surgeries, etc. Oh, my gosh. They're going to come after all those assets, aren't they? Yeah. Now, they may not be able to get the assets while they're protected under the qualified retirement plan. Okay. But once it comes out of the retirement plan, they can, they can sue for a judgment. And once it comes out, that's income, and that could be garnered. Well, but a lot of people don't have their money necessarily sitting in a retirement plan. I mean, they got some sitting in a retirement plan, but they have a substantial amount sitting outside a retirement plan. And maybe they have a—I mean, we got a lot of clients. They got a—they own one or two rental homes. So could they even go after those rental homes? Unless those rental homes are constructed and put in a trust, and from a legal perspective, mm-hmm. that's subject to, to suit. They can't take your home if it's homesteaded right? while you're living in it. Of course, when you pass away and your assets transfer, if it's not constructed right by an attorney, that becomes also subject to a judgment as well. It could be taken. So truly insurance should be purchased with a full financial plan in mind is what you're saying. At the end in mind, what is your plan? When Jesus was talking about the person that builds a tower or a house— you have to know what you want it to look like. To want, and to know what it looks like, you're going to have to cost in labor, the materials. And the same thing goes with building a financial house. The insurance is your foundation for the house. Really, uh, your insurance advisor should be working directly with a financial planner. Oh, that's the ultimate. If you do that, many but people I don't know don't... many people that do that. No, because they've been conditioned by the insurance industry, especially when it comes to automobile insurance to buy insurance as a commodity and without in isolation again. In isolation, exactly. Okay. Bingo. When you look at financial planning, I know, Ron, that you've spoken there's three windows of defensive financial planning where insurance comes into this. 
What are these three windows that you're talking about? The three windows, you could also say they're three parts of the foundation either way, but the three things that you have to protect in financial planning is going to be your income. Okay. Remember, your greatest possession is the ability to possess good health because if you possess good health, you can make income. You can meet your long-term goals for retirement. Yeah. So protection of income is the first window. Okay. The next one is estate or asset preservation. And believe it or not, automobile insurance falls in that category. Okay. Because if you don't have enough liability and other parts of, of the four-tiered insurance plan, you can lose your assets that you've been saving for. And the third window is actually health insurance or okay. long-term care insurance. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rachel is a cancer survivor. She's doing very well now. And most of our listeners have heard me talk about Rachel over the years. But I tell you, I am so glad we had the health insurance in place. I've told you we had disability. We had a disability policy for her. And on top of that, I used Christian Healthcare Ministries to cover my deductible. Mm. So when Rachel got cancer and we had to go to MD Anderson, we moved her down to Houston from New Braunfels, of which those of you that are listening that are you know maybe in the Northeast or in California, that's about a three or four hour drive from New Braunfels to Houston. So we, we had to move there. That disability coverage we had for her, because she was not able to work during that time, covered all that missed income. And then the health insurance that you did for me, which was an incredible plan. You know, we didn't have to get approval from certain doctors. You didn't put me in an HMO, but it was a PPO. So I like that. And then, and then that, that third tier that I had was uh, the Christian Healthcare Ministries took care of the deductible. So we were out zero dollars. And as you know, we went to MD Anderson for that one year and then the cancer came back and then we had to have all that surgery. We never even saw all the bills. One time, Rachel was able to somehow see them, and she said, Bob, this was like over $250,000. And I think about many people, if they didn't have that good coverage, what they would have missed in income, if they didn't have good enough coverage for health, plus they'd have to come up with a deductible during all that time, and we didn't have any of that stress. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm going to digress a little bit and talk about, because you brought up automobile insurance. The third part of your automobile policy, or actually it's the fourth part, forgive me, is actually called medical or PIP. Okay. Many people reject it because they're going cheap. They want to get cheap. It's so inexpensive to have the medical or PIP. And what that does is that covers first dollar medical if you or anyone in your car is hurt, whether it's your fault or not. So watch. So let's say you have a $5,000 deductible on medical insurance. Okay. And by the way, that's pretty common now. Yeah, Anywhere from 2500 to 5000 or 7500 And then maybe I'm working with a client right now. We're looking at a group plan and possibly 12000 for a family deductible. Yes. So just imagine if you rejected that PIP or medical for the automobile insurance and you get hurt in an accident, you have to come up with the first 5000 out of your out Or of if your, your family is in an accident and all of you had to go to the hospital and it's 12000 Right. But if you had PIP, okay. which many people reject because they're trying to save money on their auto insurance, if they're hurt in a car accident, okay? Right. Albeit a car accident, they would have that first $5,000 taken care of without having to go into their emergency funds. You got, you got my PIP all covered there, Ron? You're, you're taking care of it. I want to make sure because, you know, you look at such details like this that insurance is something 
sorry, Ron. I, just something that I don't like to necessarily buy. I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's an unnecessary evil. But the thing is, is insurance is only as good as when you need it. And it's right during that time that you really need it. And you think, I thought I was covered for that. And I think many people, they don't know that they're not covered. You share some stories with me of they're not your clients where they come to you after the fact and the lawyer gets involved from an accident and sure enough, they didn't have the coverage. They were just buying on price, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, Bob, you know that PIP that that we just mentioned, right? Yeah. It stands for personal injury protection. Okay. And it's the newer hybrid of the, the old medical coverage on the automobile accidents. Did you know that PIP pays for 80% of lost income? If you're no, in, yes, really? if you're involved in an accident, whether okay. you're at fault or not. So if you don't have disability insurance at work, a group plan, uh-huh. or you don't have an individual plan on your own, and you're in an accident and you can't work, and you're at fault or whatever, whether you're at fault or not, it would pick up the first 80% up to the limits that you have. Yeah. And it's so inexpensive to have. I'm curious what my limits are now. <laughs> You take care of that, so I haven't looked at my limits, but um, hopefully they're high. <laughs> yeah. When have you ever heard this before? I, no, nowhere. Nowhere at all have I ever heard this. And I have a feeling that a lot of people that are listening to the podcast today are going to go look at what is their PIP on their policies, which, you know, you talk about income protection. Oh, man. You turn off the income for anybody and... They can't achieve their long-term goals. And and you think about the income protection we were talking about, you know, for retirement. I mean, people, the income comes from their investments. And if that is attached in a lawsuit because there's not enough coverage, then there goes away the income. But I know you like to talk about income protection. So let's get into talking about income protection and disability. Yeah, the first window of the three, right? All right. Is income protection. Again, your greatest asset or your greatest possession is not your car, not your house, not your boat. Your greatest possession is you possess good health because you can work. You can make an income. You can lose your income three ways. The Lord can take you through death. Okay. You can lose your income by incapacitation through illness mm-hmm. or an accident at work, in the car, etc. Or unfortunately, you can lose major part of your income by getting divorced, unfortunately. But that's a reality because many families are two-income families. Gotcha. So think about this. Let's say there is a young family and both are working and they're working for their goals. They want to have children. They may have children. They want to save up for that new house. The loss of one of those incomes potentially would wreck everything as far as their plans. It would sideline their plans. Where's it going to come from if the Lord takes one of the breadwinners What's going to happen to the spouse? So you really think to think about there's disability, but but also, like you said, death. That comes under life insurance, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Life insurance is going to cover the death aspect, and then the incapacitation or disability would be disability insurance. And what I find mind-boggling, we had this conversation yesterday, Bob. We did. I bet you know where I'm going. Yeah, we're going to talk about why people buy life insurance before they buy But they, they don't buy, buy disability. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Ron yeah. and I, just so you all know, we lunches together a lot and everything, because I'm on one end of, the, of our building and Ron's on the other end. But the odds of someone being disabled are so much greater, right? Oh, okay. So at tell least, us about at that. least four times greater the chance of you being disabled. Mm-hmm. Typically for illness, number one, neuromuscular diabetes can incapacitate. So what are those chances? Let's say before you turn 65 years old, 
you know, between your working years, what are the chances you would become disabled versus death? Oh, significantly, I can't give you the, I mean, I can go and research it and okay. Google the exact amount, Okay, but it's at least four times greater. And the reason why people don't buy disability insurance is because they don't understand it, number one. Okay. Number two, they only think of being losing income through death. Mm -hmm. But again, they are at least four times greater the chance of them losing their income to incapacitation. So you're four times more likely to have a, a disability before 65 than oh, you are to, to die. Definitely. Okay. Definitely, yeah. And you know I have disability coverage. You helped me with my total insurance needs, and you looked at mine, but I have mine through a financial, what, are the, what do we call that, kind of like a co-op? You have a group plan. You have I have a group, have a group plan. plan, yeah. And it's so inexpensive because I'm not, I'm really not at a high risk. I mean, I'm sitting here at a desk. But you know what, Ron? Just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my painter, and he was painting that home that we have down in Rockport for us. And it's a two-story, and he was way up there. And he was over on the roots and stuff. I said, brother, I sure hope you have good workman's comp and you have good disability coverage. We had them down and we took care of their family for a week. You know, while I continued to work through Zoom. And just a precious, precious family. He's about 38 years old. And he said, yeah, I do have it. But I was like, I'm glad you do. Because you're standing on that metal roof, two stories high. But you know, you wonder how many don't have adequate coverage like that. I now imagine his coverage is probably pretty expensive because that's in a high risk, right? Absolutely. But most of us don't fall in that range. Correct. Depends upon if you work you work in an office, it would be significantly less expensive. But the best place to start with disability is if you if you work for a firm or a school district or any entity, if they have a group plan, that's typically the best place to start. Well, so is that optional with most companies that people work for? They can That's an option they can pick, or is it automatically included, or do you know that the answer to that question? It depends upon what the employee wants to pay, but typically it's going to be paid by the employee. It's discounted because of the group, the large numbers that are involved in the business or, or the co-op, Okay, and the price is, is significantly lower. Now, the problem with group disability is that typically you, you can only get 60 to 65%. Of your pay? Of your pay, okay. exactly, your gross but, but pay. It, but that is considered tax-free pay, isn't it? Or is it? Uh, it is income. Okay. It's income. But I've heard if you pay for disability with pre-tax dollars, then you have to pay tax. If you pay with after-tax dollars, it comes tax-free. That would be correct, yes. Yeah, because yeah, I remember that's when, correct. that's yeah. what we do. We made that decision when Rachel and I bought disability years ago to pay for it with post-tax dollars. So if we ever did have that time, and that time did come along, so it came under those stats that you're talking about, we wouldn't have to pay tax because you, then you're adding insult to injury. I mean, you're already, oh, definitely. You're, already you're already down and out. You don't want to yeah. have to pay more tax on it. Yeah, I may say this. The problem with group disability insurance, again, typically 60 to 65% is going to be what's going to be paid out if you're incapacitated after a certain point. But you're still missing a 30, 35% gap. So if you work for certain organizations, like especially private industry, uh -huh. you can buy an individual to cover that gap. Oh, you can. You can't do it if you work for a, what we call a FERPA organization. What's that? Uh, the acronym is actually Family, Educational Rights, and Privacy Acts. Okay. School districts, college. Okay. Typically, you can't do that. But if you work for a private organization. You can buy the gap. You can buy a, an individual policy to, to put on top of your group policy. That will cover that? That would cover 30, 35%. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. 
So we've talked about disability, uh, life insurance. Would you recommend for life insurance, you know, it goes back to the old school, and I know you've been selling life insurance for, what, 25, 30 years? Uh, about 35 years, and, yeah. And I think you kind of started off with this buy term, invest the rest. So do you always recommend that somebody buy just a term policy? It is so inexpensive. I don't know why. It, I mean, when you're younger, gosh, you can get $500,000 of coverage for just pennies on the dollar. It goes back to starting with the end in mind. What okay. are you trying to accomplish? Okay. If you're trying to accomplish income protection, typically for, I would say, 95% of the public, term insurance is the way to go. Okay. But that term product has to fit into your financial plan. Right. That's going to cover you during your typically your peak earning responsibility years, 20 to 30 years. So you can develop those assets so that by the time you step out of, you hit 30 years, you can step out of it. You don't, you don't want to be insurance rich. You want to be cash rich right. or investment rich. Right. So the insurance is kind of like flipping over. The insurance, like I've heard you say, is kind of the foundation because until you get your assets up there, the insurance is covering you. Absolutely. Yeah. I will say this, though. Now, with the onset of newfangled hybrid long-term care products, they're built on a whole life chassis, life insurance chassis. Okay. In that case, I highly recommend it. But again, this takes a finesse and planning, and typically that's going to come between ages 45 to 55. So after you step out of your term product, now you want to protect your, not your income, you want to protect your nest egg. And that's why you're going to buy, you would buy long-term care insurance. Now, you and I have talked about this long-term care. Yeah. I mean, you've been talking to me about it a long time. And the long-term care, it kind of fits in this gap, right? I've heard you, you mentioned if you've got $5 million plus or $10 million plus, you've got enough that's going to generate what the cost of the long-term care is going to be. And then you have those on the lower scale that maybe they just have 50000 or 100000 in savings. Do they necessarily need long-term care, or is long-term care fit more like in that middle ground where so many retirees fall between that half million and one and a half million dollar mark? Yeah, I would even say maybe two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand to to the high point. Okay, all right. Why is long-term care needed so much? I mean, I hear it all the time, but give us some stats. Oh my cost. gosh! Okay, the, the cost of health insurance, of long-term care insurance while you're disabled could be anywhere from 50000 to 75000 depending upon the venue. Okay. Whether it's, it's home service, where they come to your home and take care of you, or it's a semi-private nursing home or room or a private room. It could be anywhere from 50000 to seventy five, eighty five thousand dollars $85,000 a year. So that can really eat into your savings quickly and in, into your retirement plan. Absolutely. Where's that money going to come from? Yeah. But Tip- the cost of long-term care can be kind of expensive, can it? Long-term care insurance? Yes. It's commensurate to age. It's it's predicated on morbidity, meaning morbidity, meaning how long you're going to live in an incapacitated state where you you can't perform two or more ADLs. So is there a perfect age to buy long-term care? This is how I typically construct my portfolios, defensive portfolios for my clients. Typically, and I'm going to be very general now, anywhere from 20 to 45 or 50 your insurance, your life insurance is going to cover your income there and your right. disability insurance, okay, right? Right. And then after you finish that, assuming you've been investing the difference in an IRA, 401k, whatever, then you're going to step out of that and you're going to move into a long-term care product. So I would say to overlap, maybe 45 to 60, okay. 65 to purchase. 
And plus, your your health is good during a time where you'll qualify, right? That's why forty five yeah. and fifty is a very pivotal. Insurance age. companies are real funny about that. They don't like to they don't like to uh, underwrite you when uh, you've had a lot of health issues. Yeah, they know the morbid ages are typically from forty five and up as you yeah. start getting older. Diabetes, neuromuscular issues, they're way ahead of us. They're sharp. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, that's why the insurance companies are made of marble and granite, and their high rises and their homes are made of sticks and stones. So, <laughs> and they're the biggest buildings in downtown, right? Yeah, yeah, they know what they're doing. One thing I wanted to say, as far as life insurance protection, I've had so many people ask me over the years, "How much life insurance do I recommend?" I will tell you, I've always recommended basically ten times income. So. We've got a breadwinner. They're making 100000 a year, multiplied times 10. That's about what they need. Can you speak into that? Do you recommend that same amount, or is it more, less? What do you think? Well, I typically, when I sit down with my clients, I want to know what their, what their long-term goal is. Uh-huh. So I want to start with the end in mind, their midterm and their short-term. I know that Ramsey and other type of Crown Financial, they recommend typically 10 years of a gross income. Yeah. But that doesn't factor in inflation, of course, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't believe in one so size fits, it's, it fits comes all. Back, it comes it, back down to the financial planning. And that's where the power of a financial planner or an experienced insurance professional can sit down and look and incorporate every aspect of protecting so that you can save to get that nest egg. So, Ron, we've covered a lot today. We've covered income protection, uh, disability. In the beginning, we started talking about auto insurance. And, man, I think you shed a lot of light on the auto insurance because – Everybody has to have that, and it's pushed the most on TV and all the commercials, and just, oh, people were not covered. I mean, they're just, my own daughter that was living in California, and now she's back in Texas, thank mm-hmm. goodness, <laughs> but she was getting a quote on, on a policy out there, because, you you know, you weren't licensed in California, and you said, we tried to get her to find somebody independent. I mean, the coverage was terrible. It was like 5000 10000 like, JC, this is not going to work. <laughs> We got her with another major company that's nationwide to help her with that coverage. And now she's back in Texas, getting her citizenship back here. <laughs> Get her back with you. Yeah, yeah. citizenship. <laughs> right. Citizen. <laughs> she, she's a Texas citizen, you guys. But anyway, we've covered a whole lot. Is there anything that we've not covered today? We could go on and on and on and on. I know you and I like to talk this financial planning game so much. But for those that are hearing this podcast, what would you recommend to them? Because we got a lot of listeners that are out of state, too. And your license in Texas, right? Oh, we do business in Florida, South Carolina. We, oh, you do? Okay. We insure, we insure life, disability, long-term care in every state but New York. Okay. My home state. I can never <laughs> tell by your accent. <laughs> y'all, y- 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 it's funny. Well, when you come into the office and you get Ron on one side, and, and he, he's talking with that New York accent, and you got me on the other side talking with my Texas accent. <laughs> Somebody look back and forth, they're like, what is going on here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Ron and I have known each other a long time, and we are great brothers in the Lord. Okay, so any last words to help people? Because I know you're all about helping people. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm an educator at heart. 30 years public school education, and I love teaching the Word now. And, and I would say this, why purchase this? Why not purchase this? You have to think with the end in mind. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what the Lord taught uh, his disciples. Count the cost. Count the cost. Yeah. And plan. And there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Again, we have been so indoctrinated with these fun commercials. They're not for us, those commercials. They're for the insurance company. Yeah. It's not to teach. 
I had a plumber over my house recently. The thermostat blew out of my one of my water heaters okay. in the house because of that freeze we had, right? Yeah, it went right. bad. Yeah. So I had the part. It was covered under warranty. And I was so taken by this plumber because what he did was he could have just come in and put the part in and said, here you go, 500 bucks. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, he was very, very fairly priced. But he endeavored to teach me and share with me why he was doing what he was doing. And you want to know something? That man, he scored points right. on my, and I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty critical guy, and I'm very, I have high expectations, but I want to tell you, that's what it's all about. Become a lifelong learner. Solomon said, above all else, get wisdom. Yes. Get knowledge. Yeah. Ask why you buy the things you buy. Right, right. Good point. Good point. So when it comes to insurance, you've got to buy it with the end in mind, not just today, just because it's required of you. Think about if you need that insurance, is it going to be there for you? Is that coverage going to be there for you? And if it's not going to be there for you, which we've seen examples of it not being there, they, at the time they thought it was going to be there for them, it barely covered them. So don't buy insurance on price buy it on coverage yeah my mind is going as a teacher now i'm thinking of examples yeah this last freeze we had i mean most water claims are going to be paid but hidden water seepage is not paid in most policies gotcha most people don't know that about yeah. their home insurance yeah. most people don't know that they, they buy a policy and they have a claim they pay their typical one percent deductible and all of a sudden they they say why am i not getting a brand new roof and they come to me complaining and they're angry at that insurance company. The insurance company did nothing wrong. They stuck to their contract. But the people bought on price and they bought a named peril policy or they bought a policy that's depreciated claim settlement instead of the replacement. And all of a sudden they're angry. Hey, buyer beware. They didn't do their homework. So, Ron, at the conclusion here, would you mind giving out your phone number and giving out your website address so that people can contact you so they can make sure they're covered correctly. So when that time comes along, they don't have to worry about that. Like I said, you know, when Rachel had her cancer and she couldn't work and we had that deductible that was covered and the health plan, you had us covered. So would you mind doing that? Just giving your phone number and the information how to get a hold of you. Sure. Yeah. It's Christian Insurance Services uh, for short. You can, you can Google or, or just type in uh, www.c as in Christian and then insure, cinsure.org. And our phone number is 830-515-5430. Say that one more time. 830-515-5430. And the website address? Is cinsure. Okay, C-I-N-S-U-R-E. Or even Christian Insurance Services, it'll come right to us. Okay, good deal. Ron, thank you for uh, being on the podcast today. My pleasure. You know, And hopefully you've enjoyed listening to Ron and I's conversation. He is a true brother in the Lord, and I love him dearly. I love his family. You love my family. Can't wait to be in heaven. Praising the Lord together, brother. Hallelujah. Maranatha, come Yeshua. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a Messianic Jew, too, so I need to let you know that. He's, so, he, he's got the double blessing. That's going to do it today for today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed. That's all for now. We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. 
To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, or Stitcher. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ciswealth.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA, CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional.